0: This morning we're going to be looking at uh, Lesson 10 of our series in Proverbs, The Pathway to Wisdom, and we're going to be looking at the virtues and rewards of wisdom today. We've been looking at many different things, and Solomon at this point is going to talk about how we need to heed wisdom and the value of heeding wisdom and the benefits that it's going to bring to our life. So I want you to notice with me, if you have your Bibles, if you'll uh, look there at verses 1 to 5 of chapter 8, as we're going to be looking up to verse 21 today. Notice what uh, Solomon writes. Does not wisdom cry out, and understanding lift up her voice? She takes her stand on the tops of the hill, high hill, besides the ways the, where the paths meet. She cries out by the gates at the entry of the city, and at the entrance of the doors. To you, O men, I call, and my voice is to the sons of men. O you simple ones, understand prudence. And you fools, be of understanding heart. First thing I want you to notice there, as uh, we look at these uh, five verses, we're going to see an introduction again, as Solomon is introducing this next section. And he wants us to see, see several things here. First of all, he's going to tell us that wisdom offers her services to all who will receive them. Wisdom offers her services to all who will receive them. And I think that's a pretty significant thing that you and I need to consider. Because oftentimes, you know, we have this concept that knowledge only belongs to a certain select few. But what we see here is that Solomon is telling us right in this passage that wisdom is crying out and really appealing to everyone to come and partake of her, to come and gain from her wisdom. And we don't see that it's just in the hands of the select few. In fact, you know, if you look at uh, presidential elections or any kind of election, usually, in fact, if you think over the last 20 years or so, whenever somebody is running, if they don't come from a certain school or if they didn't graduate uh, or if if they didn't hold a certain position or whatever, basically they're viewed as dumb because they don't have, quote, the intelligence that they're supposed to have in our culture. But what we see here from a passage like this is, is that wisdom is available to all who come to her. Wisdom is available to all who come to her. You know, in our context of our churches, sometimes we can fall into a subtle deception of thinking that even because I didn't go to Bible college, or if I didn't, uh, haven't studied the scriptures, or I'm not a pastor, I can't understand wisdom. But the problem is, is that that is very much a lie. And what we need to see, though, is is that wisdom is available to all. In fact, that's the next point we're going to see here, is that wisdom is open, not lurking in secret. This is not something you've got to search for. This is not something that you have to delve in deep to try to figure out. Wisdom is out in the open for you and I to consider, for you and I to grasp, for you and I to apply to our lives. Wisdom is available to all. And so we see that. And then... Wisdom also now, the next point there, wisdom continually attests to her value. Wisdom continually attests to her value. She is continually telling us how much she is worth. So she's continually attesting to her value. So then I want you to notice verses 4 and 5, there's an invitation there. The invitation from wisdom embraces all classes of people. Notice what it says in verse 4 and 5. To you, O men, I call, and my voice is to the sons of men. O you simple ones, understand prudence, and you fools, be of understanding heart. So basically there, we're seeing that wisdom is appealing to everyone. In fact, we could break it down into basically three segments of society there. Remember that wisdom is appealing to fools. Now, what is a fool? That is someone who is rejecting God, rejecting true wisdom and has decided to despise it. The simple refers to a young, immature person, someone who has not learned wisdom yet. And then, of course, there is the reference to men in general. And, of course, we could say women. And so wisdom is basically there for all segments of society. Again, it doesn't matter what your social, economic status is. It doesn't matter if you've been to college or haven't been to college. It doesn't matter about any of that. It doesn't matter your income level. Wisdom is available for everyone. In fact, the next point I want you to see there is this, that in the invitation for the simple and foolish is to gain prudence and understanding. Wisdom appeals to the simple. Wisdom appeals to the foolish. Come, gain understanding. It's not just for a few people. It's for everyone. In fact, it's interesting. Even though the fool despises and rejects wisdom, wisdom continually appeals to the fool to come and gain prudence and understanding. So I think that's pretty interesting. The next section there we're going to see is verses 6 through 11 of our chapter. So I want you to notice those with me. Listen, for I will speak of excellent things, and from the opening of my lips will come right things. For my mouth will speak truth. Wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are with righteousness. Nothing crooked or perverse is in them. They are all plain to him who understands. And right to those who find knowledge. Receive my instruction, and not silver, and knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is better than rubies. And all things one may desire cannot be compared with her. Next thing I want you to see here is this, that we're going to see that wisdom is noble, just, and true. Wisdom is noble, just, and true. And I think it's especially significant that we see a couple of things there. In verse 6, wisdom calls us to listen because it has noble things to say. Wisdom calls us to listen because it has noble things to say. When we think of nobility, we think of kings, and we think of proper, we think of uh, tradition, we think of, of excellence, and so forth. And really, that's really what the next part is. What wisdom has to say is excellence and right. What wisdom has to say is excellence and right. So when wisdom speaks or when we read wisdom as we read from the Scripture, we're reading that which is excellent and right. The next thing I want you to see there, verse 7, we see that it's reliable. Wisdom states things that are firm and dependable. Wisdom states things that are firm and dependable. Notice what it says there, verse 7. For my mouth will speak truth. Wisdom will give you what is dependable wisdom will give you what is firm and you don't need to wonder about it it's truth now that's that's very interesting because in our culture today we don't want to accept that anything is true but when you look at the wisdom of god's word especially you see that it is true and that there's it no, is very reliable that it's right on the money when it says what it says The other thing I want you to see there, verse 8 tells us it is just. There is no hidden agenda and no deception in wisdom's teaching. There's no hidden agenda with wisdom. Wisdom is forthright. Wisdom will come right out and tell you what it is that you need to do for your life, to gain in your life. There's no hidden agenda there. Wisdom is not holding back on you. There's no deception there. And then verse 9, wisdom's words are right and faultless wisdom's words are right and faultless and here here's the point the teaching of wisdom is in plain view again it's not hidden it's available to all it's not available to a select few see back back in the time right after Jesus's crucifixion in the early start of the church there was a group of people who were called the gnostics who quote Gnosticism comes from the root word meaning knowledge. And so they were seeking knowledge, a secret knowledge. And so the Gnostics felt that only a select group of people could have the secret knowledge. But what we see here is that wisdom is in plain view for all to gain. And see, the issue isn't a question of where do I dig for it. It's a question. It's right there. It's for you to see. But you need to accept it or you need to reject it. You need to accept it or reject it. Now, someone might say, well, I might ignore it. Well, ignoring is a form of rejection. You either accept it or reject it. And so, wisdom is in plain view. Wisdom is in plain view. The next thing I want you to see here is this. Verse 10 gives us an invitation. Wisdom invites us to choose it over wealth. Wisdom invites us to choose it over wealth. Now, Here's the problem. We live in a society today where that is definitely not the cultural norm. The cultural norm is for you and I to get what we can get while we can get it and get as much of it as we can. Who needs wisdom? We need money. That's the attitude. But the problem is is that that's not the answer. All you got to do is look at the one segment of the millionaires. Let's forget about the non-Hollywood millionaires for a moment, but let's look at the Hollywood millionaires for a moment. And when you look at their lives, because it's, I mean, basically they are spread all over the news and the tabloids. You can't go anywhere without hearing about what's going on with them. And when you look at it, there are several things that mark their lives. You, you see broken relationships. They can't seem to have a, a, a relationship that lasts or a marriage that lasts. You see drug and alcohol abuse. You see every kind of moral debauchery that you can think of. And then in some of them, you see that they may even decide that it's too much for them, and they take their lives. They commit suicide. Now, here are people that have everything. They have all the money they could ever want in the world. But they don't have anything, do they? But yet, this is what we emulate in our culture. But wisdom says... Come to me. I'm worth more than gold. I'm worth more than silver. I'm worth more than rubies. Wisdom invites us to choose it over wealth. Let's see, that again, that is so anti-cultural, so anti-American today. But that's what wisdom is telling us, and that really brings us to the next part of the invitation. True wealth is derived from wisdom, not gold and silver. True wealth is derived from wisdom, not gold and silver. A few years ago, there was a Christian contemporary group, Big Daddy Weave, had a song about two Joneses. And it talked about how they both started out in their relationship. One had it, and the other didn't. The one that had lost everything, ended in divorce and misery and pain. But the one that didn't, all they had was each other. They ended up gaining it all. And that really, really is the point that we need to see here. That true wealth is derived from wisdom, not from gold. Not from gold. Not from silver. Again, we see that played out on our TVs every day. Every day we see that played out on our TVs. But for some reason, we cannot seem to gain that thought. Verse 11 tells us then that wisdom is more desirable than anything else. Having wisdom is more desirable than anything else. In fact, I want you to think back to me. The guy that wrote this book, Solomon. Do you remember in uh, in Kings, it is recorded that God came to him in a vision in a dream while he slept. And said to him, Solomon, you may have what you want, ask of me and I will give it to you. And Solomon said, Lord, I want wisdom so that I can govern your people. And God said that that was the most favorable thing. Had he asked for his enemies, had he asked for gold or silver or fame, he would have given him that. But because he asked for wisdom, God would give him the rest too. And he did. And you know what? I think if we choose wisdom, everything else falls into place. Everything else falls into place. And so the value of wisdom is based on its incomparable value in life. The value of wisdom is based upon its incomparable value in life. Wisdom does not compare to anything else. You can't find a substitute for it. Wisdom is far more valuable than anything we can have in life. Then notice with me now verses 12 through 21, the rewards of wisdom. The rewards of wisdom. I wisdom well with prudence and find out knowledge and discretion. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Pride and arrogance and the evil way. And the perverse mouth I hate. Counsel is mine and sound wisdom. I am understanding. I have strength. By me kings reign and rulers decree justice. By me princes rule and nobles. All the judges of the earth. I love those who love me. And those who seek me diligently will find me. Riches and honor are with me. Enduring riches and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, yes, than fine gold. And my revenue than choice silver. I transverse the way of righteousness in the midst of the paths of justice. That I may cause those who love me to inherit wealth that I may fill their treasuries. Okay, so let's look at the rewards of wisdom, and this is what we'll focus on for the last part of our section here. First of all, he tells us in verse 12, if a person has wisdom, he has prudence, knowledge, and discretion. If a person has wisdom, he has prudence, knowledge, and discretion. A person who has wisdom has an understanding of life. He knows how to discern. He knows how to make right decisions. He has an understanding of what it is to make life. Some people will even say that he has common sense. Common sense. Notice now verse 13, he says this, The one who fears the Lord and is wise will hate or reject evil. When you have wisdom, you then understand the very nature of evil, the very nature of wickedness, the very nature of that which is wrong, and you hate it. You despise it because you recognize that what it does is it brings destruction. And so the truly wise will hate and abhor evil because they love the Lord. And then verse 14 tells us the reward of sound counsel. Wisdom enables people to give wise counsel and sound judgment. Listen, you don't go asking for advice from a simple, immature person, do you? The reason why is because they've not experienced life. They have not gained wisdom. When you want advice, you want someone you know has wisdom to share with you. And so wisdom enables people to be able to share wise counsel and to give good judgment. Wisdom enables people to have understanding and power. Wisdom enables people to have understanding and power over life. Power to be able to say yes and no. And I think that's extremely important in our sensual society today where basically everything is basically decided upon our feelings rather than wisdom. It's what you want to do. It doesn't really matter. You just do what you want to do. But wisdom allows you to have understanding of what the outcome will be And wisdom allows you to have power. Power, I think, ultimately, to say no to stuff. And really, that's what's missing today, isn't it? There's that power to be able to say no. But we can't do that. In fact, we're told we can't do that. Wisdom's used by rulers, we see in verses 15 and 16. Leaders who rule by wisdom do well, and their laws are just. Wisdom who... Leaders who rule by wisdom do well and their laws are just. You know, there's an important point here. We know when we go over to to Timothy, to the to the Epistles of Timothy that Paul encourages Timothy to pray for those for kings. We're commanded to pray for the kings so that we may lead peaceable lives. Can I be honest with you? The disturbing thing to me today is that we will only pray for those that are from our party. We don't need to just pray for those from our party. We need to pray for all kings. In fact, think about it. Paul, when he's talking about that, the king that he's dealing with is a Roman Caesar. A very wicked man. A man with perverse tendencies. You and I would say, well, we shouldn't even bother praying for him. But Paul says we're to pray for them all. And I think when we look at Proverbs here, And we understand that wisdom gives leaders the ability to make, what, to do well and to have just laws. We need to pray for our leaders in Washington or in Harrisburg or wherever to have wisdom, whether they're from our party or not. God plant around them men who have wisdom. God give them wisdom. To do what's right. And so we see that wisdom is used by rulers. Then notice something. Verse 17, it tells us an, an interesting fact about mutual love. Wisdom loves those who love and value her. You love wisdom, wisdom will love you. You value wisdom, wisdom will value you. It's a mutual love there. A mutual love. And then I want you to notice something. Wisdom guides us along the path of righteousness and justice. Wisdom guides us along the path of righteousness and judgment. You don't need to worry about if wisdom is going to direct you in the wrong way. You don't need to to sit there and wonder, well, is this right for me? Is, is is this going to really handle it all for me? Am I going to head in the right direction here? Am I making a right mistake or a wrong mistake? If I, I listen to wisdom? You don't need to understand that. When wisdom tells you something, you know that it's right. You know, when the Word of God tells you something, you don't need to question well, you know, should I do this or not? Is this really real for me right now? No, no, you don't need to question that. You just need to recognize that wisdom, wisdom, will direct you in the right path. In fact, here, in fact, I would even say this: you know, you can look at the culture today and see that wisdom is right. You say, "What do you mean?" Well, we've just spent several lessons talking about the issue of adultery. You know, you don't even have to look in the Scripture to understand the devastation of adultery. Every one of us knows somebody who has who has succumbed to this. And when you look at their lives, let's just go ahead and admit it right now. When you look at their lives, all you see in the wake of what they have done is pain, shame, and destruction. Pain, shame, and destruction. And here's the problem with that. The Word of God tells us that from the very beginning. That's why it tells us not to get involved in it. But what we do is is that we reject the Word of God, but yet... Outside are all the layers that tell you that this is going on. You know, I think it's very interesting. You know, I just was recently on uh, CNN.com. I think there recently was just an article there that talked about that adultery is healthy. Adultery is healthy. And it was basically an encouragement for people to get involved in extramarital affairs. Now, isn't it interesting that the same people who will tell you to do these things, will not be there when you suffer because of them. In fact, they'll reject you. They'll kick you when you're down. The very same people who tell you those things will be the ones that reject you when you face the difficulties because of them. And so our culture says, go ahead and do it, but our culture won't tell you what it will do to you. The Word of God says, don't do it, because this this is what will happen to you if you do it. These are the things you open your life up to. This is the misery you'll bring. And so wisdom guides us along the path of righteousness and justice. It guides us along what's right and what should be done and what is necessary for our lives. Then notice something. There's the reward here. Wisdom rewards those who heed and love her. Wisdom rewards those who heed and love her. Wisdom will bring reward to your life if you heed her. Wisdom cries out to you, come to me, do what I'm asking you to do, and it will reward you. But what we do is, is we look at our culture, and our culture says one thing, and we say, well, you know, if I do that, my culture is promising that it will do this for me. Can I be honest with you? They're empty promises. Empty promises. In fact, all you got to do is look at commercials. Commercials will tell you that if you have this product, you're going to be happy. Well, hey, you've got the product, and guess what? You're still not happy. I'm reminded uh, a few years ago, it was probably about 15 years ago, I was at a Christian university and was a missions conference and a missionary speaker was speaking and he got up and he gave the missionary call. He gave the call in, a, in an auditorium filled with 5,000 young people. He gave the call for them to say who was willing to go. Who was willing to go to the ends of the earth with the gospel so that others might hear the wisdom of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the amazing thing to me that day as I was there is that only five people stood up. Only five were willing to commit their life. Why? Because maybe they had been told that, you know, if you do that, there's no reward in that for you. In fact, I've heard do that. In fact, I think sometimes our young people are not willing to, to respond to the call for ministry because of parents. Because of parents. Because of the, really, the discouragement of parents to do that. They want their young people to have a life and have things that they didn't have and get a degree in business or whatever and do what's right. And that's really what's going on there, is that most people are not interested in heeding wisdom today. They just want what they want. But wisdom tells us that it rewards those that hear. Are you heeding wisdom today? Or are you doing your own thing? Next week, we're going to uh, look at Lesson 11 and look at wisdom's involvement in creation. See, wisdom has been active from the very beginning. Wisdom has involved itself even in the very creation of our planet and in the creation of you. Let's pray.